Tony Basilio, welcome to you too. Ladies and gentlemen, the Wednesday edition, Dr. Sean Sinclair is here. We're going to break some football down scientifically today, moving right to left and left to right on your radio dial slash device, no matter where you may be. Tennessee having their day slash days in court up in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And I mean, picture this. Because uh, Adam Sparks is covering it on Twitter and over at the New Sentinel with the greatest of ease. But all hands are on deck today. Donde Plowman, Philip Fulmer, Danny White, Jeremy Pruitt walking through the lobby with his lovely wife. I, I, I really want to hope against hope that Jeremy Pruitt was wearing his, uh, his headband scarf, hajib, whatever that thing was that he wore. Remember, Brian, during the COVID year, the photos of Jeremy Pruitt will never be forgotten by the living fan. A gaggle of attorneys. It is a wild scene up in Cincinnati, Ohio. And Greg Sankey is also in the room today as the most powerful man in college football uh, is on the scene and uh, I'm being told is in Tennessee's corner. He better be in Tennessee's corner. But there we go. So day one is underway at the hearings. And, um, again, when you start dealing with the NCAA and you get into a process like this, uh, hope for the best. Expect something between the worst and the best. And generally the NCAA is not going to disappoint you. But that's where they are. Also today, Mike Detillier, yay, yay, is going to join us here momentarily. Mike Detillier is going to break it down scientifically in terms of what he feels like is going to happen with several Tennessee players and, and where, where does he expect them to go. Today over at tclub.team, I look through. The Athletic released a mock draft, and I put up where they had the Tennessee players, and it's it's fairly interesting in terms of where the Athletic sees uh, these guys going. Darnell Wright being a first-round pick and several guys going in the first couple of rounds, which would be a wonderful, a, a wonderful occurrence for Tennessee football. So we'll get into all that. Uh, he's on the other side, by the way, so we'll talk some NFL draft. And then uh, just a brutal, costly, costly day for Tennessee baseball. Evan Russell's going to join us, by the way, a uh, uh, little later on in hour two, as we will do TLD Logistics, uh, Tennessee baseball, extra innings. An absolutely horrendous, horrendous night last night for Tennessee baseball. Tennessee's RPI, and Chris Burke was talking about this, how, you know, your RPI is not going to move much. It's going to be helped by who you play in the league, and you can still get the 9-6, and six, still scratch your way into the NCAA tournament. And then they showed up and played baseball last night, and they lost to a team that's so bad that their RPI went from 23 to 40 overnight. Overnight. I mean, I'm not sure what that was last night, but acceptable would would 
be a word I would not use for last night over at uh, Lindsey Nelson Stadium. So let me bring Sean Sinclair in here. we got a lot to talk about today. I want to talk about the depth chart as well. Uh, X, as X was kicking that around, I mean, it's hard to draw conclusions off spring football, which I kind of find a nothing burger, other than to say that some of the young guys who flashed in the spring showed that they can play. I mean, Sean, the future's pretty bright here. It looks like that was a pretty good recruiting class, Tennessee Hall, then. Yeah, it really does. And a couple guys that surprised me, not because I didn't think they were quality players, but because... You know, they um, uh, hadn't heard a lot about him. Is a local kid, Deshaun Bishop. Um, you know, he, he committed and signed on the same day, uh, which implies that perhaps we were, uh, you know, kind of holding him off a little bit. Uh, everybody knows the gaudy stats he put up around Knoxville in the in the in the league, but uh, he looks to me like a natural running back. He looks to me like a guy that already understands patience, how to set up your blocks, and how to get the ball forward. Uh, I don't know if he's the home run threat, uh, but he looked a lot to me, not the same power, but he looked a lot to me like Travis Henry in the way that it wasn't a, you know, he's not a LaMarcus Coker speedster, uh, but he just knows how to run the ball, and he knows how to avoid taking a big hit. So somewhere down the line, I believe he's going to be a productive tailback for Tennessee. And also, you have to you you have to like uh, uh, Davis, Leacock, uh, Caleb Webb, some of those guys. Yeah. I know Webb wasn't in this class, but some of those guys uh, simply yeah. because they didn't play, and they look like eventually they're going to help us. So uh, I thought it was a very good showing. You can't. You have to come out of that game. Uh, the, the stats weren't there, but right. Boy, if you don't, if you're not impressed with Nico, I'm not sure what you're looking at. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, Nico is. Uh, uh, he's going to be a really, really nice player here, Sean. Uh, and look, obviously the guys got got ways to go physically and and all that stuff. But you know, it was said by X, and somebody sent me a, a correspondence through the website over at tclub.team where our, we put our blog up there every day. And X said, you know, there's a difference between the way when Joe Milton's running with a football. And when Nico's running with a football, Nico looks like a guy that just has a natural ability to play make, keep plays alive, uh, just kind of has a sense for what he's doing out there already. Uh, just looks well, like a to, natural athlete. You take a, look at him, you take a look at him, and he's a natural athlete. Uh, he's an he's he's elite-level volleyball player. At six six, and so you, those those guys are all about not only eye hand coordination, foot feet, incredible feet, much like a soccer player, but spatial awareness and having your body, you know, in all sorts of ways. You know, when he was running, he has a 
very good ability to square his shoulders and then to throw, you know, keep his accuracy when he's throwing. Uh, another thing I, I would encourage people to consider is that this is a big class that came in, and they they may have been at a premier high school in the country, yet the level of strength and conditioning that they might have even had at one of the best in the high school ranks, I mean, doesn't even compare to what they're seeing now. So you're seeing kids that have been in here a few months. Their bodies are changing daily. They're sore from new lifts. They're learning new things about their body. These guys should be in high school. Plus, also, the grind of a college year is way different than high school. These guys, you know, they were talking about, uh, Hypo was talking about Deshaun Bishop may go back to his high school uh, prom this week or next week, whatever it is. That's great. Taking all that in, you got Nico, as good as he is, he's, he's already being thrust into the, he, he's getting it with the fire hose treatment down the throat. Because Joe Milton could easily get hurt. I hope not. And that, and he's your guy, with all due respect to Gaston Moore. Yep. And he looked, he looked composed out there. Uh, so I thought it was a very good showing. Uh, I think it looks, uh, it portends well for, for uh, Tennessee football in the future. And, and based on recruiting, will we get all the five stars that have come in? No. But we will start to get more than our share of those high four stars. And that's where you get yourself into the conversation of a 12-team playoff. And that's right. And that's what you want to do. And, and, and that's why today, um, uh, that's why today, guys, is really important what's going on in Cincinnati. Because what Tennessee wants to do is get that thing behind them once and for all. And uh, they thought they had it behind them. But that's the theme. We're going to take a brief time out. Mike Detelier. So we talk about the Vols of the future. We're going to focus on some of the Vols of the past. And if you want to land the five stars and the high fours like Sean was talking about, it's got to come out in the wash. It's got to happen in the NFL draft. And several guys, as we get closer and closer to the draft, which is right around the corner now, several guys are mocked. Uh, and uh, it looks like Tennessee's gone six players, maybe seven, who knows, taken in this draft. But uh, at any rate, we'll get Mike Dettelier's thoughts on what is going to happen there so Sean and I can both breathe for a while because when Dettelier gets on here, it's like John Adams. Nobody gets a breath in otherwise. And then we'll, uh, we'll visit with Evan Russell uh, in hour number two, who I'm sure will have some interesting things to say in this turn of events around the baseball deal, who literally went from 23 to 40 overnight when you lose to a just an awful Tennessee Tech team. Just awful. I mean, that's an abysmal baseball team Tennessee lost to last night. And, hey, kudos to the Tennessee Tech kids who came in, took it seriously, played hard, got very good pitching, played a clean baseball game, hit the ball from the outset. I'm not trying to diminish them except to say that they're last in their league, and if they had a league tournament today for those guys, they'd be the one team left out of their league tournament. But other than that, I mean, that was a that was a fine result last night. Brief timeout. Mike Dettelier after this. Spread the word and get the app at TonyBasilio.com for Android and iPhones. 
Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, or 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. 
Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. Do you use Elf Bars? Old School Vapor has over 100 authentic flavors for only $18.99 each. Check out their other January sales like buy one, get one free for select Escobars, 25% off glass pipes and Mike Tyson's Delta 8 Bites, or 50% off smell-proof bags. Go shop Old School Vapor's selection of over 200 cannabis products from brands like Looper, Torch, Hidden Hills, and more. Check them out on Instagram or Google Old School Vapor to find your nearest location. That's Old School Vapor. This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. The great Mike Dettelier breaking it down scientifically with us, as uh, he is uh, wonderful enough to do. Tony Basilio back with Sean Sinclair on a Wednesday, and uh, the draft's right around the corner. Tennessee has been pretty much, till recently, a non-participant in the draft. Uh, they've got several guys this year that have developed under this coaching staff, caught the eyes of the folks at the next level, and are uh, looking with high hopes, uh, several of whom the looking to be first uh, two-day draftees, maybe five uh, guys going in the first couple days of the draft. Let me bring Mike Dettelier in now without further ado. This is very important stuff for Tennessee's program because – you got to show success there if you want to continue to attract uh, the type of athlete that they're trying to attract. And Mike Dettelier, I bring you in against the backdrop, brother, that it's a beautiful time of the year, my man. Yeah, and, uh, you know, a lot of stuff you hear you know is not accurate. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's that time of year. And the one thing for me, and I've done this now 36 years, that has stayed true is been – People who can rush the quarterback and people who can cover, that you can believe upon elevation. You you don't have enough. No team has enough pass rushers. No team has enough cover people. And uh, you see it every year that the cornerback position and uh, defensive end edge rushers this time of year get elevated. And that has stayed true to me. Uh, from day one till today. Well, and that's a really great point, right? So Tennessee's got some perimeter players uh, in this draft, and then they've got a guy in Darnell Wright. Let me let me start there with you. Um, First-round pick, came into college as a five-star kid, kind of got lost along the way, but then under this staff, uh, refound his focus, and really developed into a nice player here. What is your sense of Darnell Wright and his value, and, and, and what do we expect for him? Yeah, I think he's a top 20 pick in his draft class. Um, and you can see he's a, he's a large guy, um, big torso, and uh, he's gotten much better technically as a technician and his ability to use his arms and hands. Uh, 
a lot of times guys coming out of high school, because they're bigger and stronger and a little faster than everyone else, they think the athletic skills uh, are going to get them through, and yet that's not the case. And you see it at times that um, maybe early that he didn't technically get it, but he's gotten much, much better as a pass protector. I always thought he was a really good run blocker, and that part will always be a strength for him. It's his ability to use his arms and hands and his steer current. And if you watch the Alabama game in particular, how he matched up against Will Anderson was interesting and in that he sort of took Will on and steered him away. It was not he was just laying him down. He knew that who he was up against, he would have to pull him away from the action. And that's exactly what he did. And he continued that uh, throughout the season. I, I was really impressed with his technical skills and his ability to get his arms and hands on you. And then he used that to take you out of a play, which we hadn't seen that earlier in his career. So, you know, I listen, I give Job Heupel and his staff a lot of credit uh, for developing that part of his game. And he was a four-year starter at Tennessee. But, uh, man, he sure looked a lot different as a senior than he did early on in his career. And it goes to show it's an old line. Um, I did a lot of functions with Nick Saber when he was at LSU. Uh, and Nick would always bring up R&D constantly. It's not about recruiting. Anybody can recruit. is develop them. Develop that talent. And um, they were able to do that with Darnell Wright, and I think he's a top-20 pick today. You know, a guy I never thought we'd be talking about on here in any serious manner for being a, you know, a, a first 40-type pick in the draft is Hendon Hooker. But here we are. I mean, there's a lot of mocks that have him, you know, in that, in that territory somewhere. Uh, how do you view Hendon Hooker with the upcoming draft? Really liked him, got to know him when he came here to Manning Camp, and he told me his story, but just watching him handle himself, right before Manning, he had an incident where he had a couple teeth knocked out in the back of his uh, mouth, and the doctors at Tennessee told him, don't go to Manning uh, in that heat and humidity of South Louisiana in July, and I get it, and his deal was, I promised him I'm going. And he came here, and he didn't do every workout but because they were cautious with it, but he did a lot of them. And it was just his poise, uh, Tony, to be honest with you. And he acted like a five-star general. If you are around 15, 16, 17-year-old kids in a group of 30, and that's what these college counselors get into that they are basically in charge of a group of 30 to 35 kids in the morning, afternoon, and in the evening, late evening. <laughs> Sometimes you wonder if the kids aren't running their show with some of them. It wasn't that way with Hooker. He had full control, and he was in charge. He was the five-star general out on that field. Same as Bryce Young. I saw Bryce exactly the same, and uh, I was impressed with his accuracy skills, his touch, 
And when he threw the football, he, his mechanics with his footwork and his over-the-top delivery was so smooth. And he was throwing it to receivers he had never thrown to. These are receivers from LSU and Tulane and Nickel State and Southeastern and Southern Miss and the Raging Cajuns of uh, University of Louisiana, um, an Ole Miss receiver, Mississippi State. It wasn't a Tennessee receiver. Right off the bat, he was very accurate with those throws, hitting them online. And we've had a lot of big-time talent come here. They couldn't do that. He did. And then to watch his season, his quick release, his ability to process information was so fast. And that's something you can't gauge. Uh, I've talked to Drew Brees about this so many different times, about the processing part and what you see and how quickly your eyes can tell your brain what to do with the football. And, and Hinden was able to do that. And what he's done to change the trajectory of Tennessee football, if you think about it, pre-Hendon Hooker, he came in here, he wasn't handed the job, it was Joe Milton. Joe was the guy, and Joe got the early starts. And then Josh decided to make the move, and what's happened since? The trajectory of Tennessee football has been totally different. And um, I really like him a lot. I get it. 25 years old, people say, oh, he's 25 years old. So what? We're not talking about a Social Security plan here. If I got a, a quarterback for seven or eight years, I'm thrilled in the NFL. Um, okay, this, not everybody's going to be Tom Brady. Not everybody's going to be Peyton Manning uh, or, you know, Drew Brees. But um, I think a lot of him, he's a first-round pick for me. And uh, all indications on the knee is that it has he's way ahead of uh, progress with it and where he should be. So uh, I would have no issue with it. And they got a lot of teams now. Um, and I've talked to enough scouts and GMs that have told me I like him. Well, once you get past, uh, you know, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, he's three for me. You know, a lot of people taking heat for that. It's what a lot of NFL teams think too. You know, that's interesting, right? Um, because in this class, there's not really a slam dunk star type quarterback, or is there, in your opinion? Bryce Young is for me. Okay. Tony, I've done enough shows with you. You know how I feel about it. I am into the prototypical numbers. It it is very, every once in a while you find an outlier player, somebody outside the realm, uh, and and at different positions. And we've seen it. I I covered one here in New Orleans, Darren Sproles. He's five foot five. He was maybe 178 pounds. And look how good of a player he was in this league. Saints have one. Tyron Matthew today. Okay, Tyron's five foot eight, playing free safety. Bryce Young is this generation's version of Fran Tarkington. Uh, and I got told that by Archie Manning. We on the golf cart watching Bryce uh, last summer. And uh, he hits me. Because Bryce is throwing darts out there, just throwing darts. He said, you got a chance to talk to him? I said, yeah. I said, for about 15 minutes, I said, he was really something. Um, and he was like, you know who he reminds me of? And he said, he reminds me of Fran. He said, and you don't have to go to Wikipedia to look up his name. He's Fran Tarkenton all over again. And you know what? 
that's a really good comp. Fran wasn't a big guy either. And uh, Bryce is one of those guys, and I've seen a few of them in my lifetime. If it was Kenny Stabler, if it was Steve Young, uh, Joe Montana, uh, Drew Brees, the ability to throw the football in between arms and hands, and it gets there. His anticipation skills, knowing when a guy's going to get out of a route, he's throwing the football long before that guy's even uh, making that cut, is amazing. And he's not a real big guy by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think he's got a chance to be special. Uh, and that's why I know early on there was some talk that may all oh, Frank Reich and some of these other guys, man, they really like C.J. Stroud. Um, right. Oh, name me the top receiver for Alabama last year. Oh, you got a great point. I mean, hit, that performance he put on a Neyland Stadium, which both quarterbacks were insane that day, which is, you know, 2022, 2023 college football, kind of where we're the pinball machine the game that we see now. But Mike Stroud, that uh, I mean, uh, young that day, that performance with little around him on offense was insane. We don't, in, in these parts, I mean, that thing will go down in folklore because I have many living Vol fans telling me that's the best performance they've ever seen on that turf. And I'm talking about. You know, people in their 60s and 70s uh, saying things like that, which is pretty high praise. Yeah, and I remember, okay, LSU, they beat uh, Alabama late. And uh, Brian Kelly uh, coming on with us the week afterwards. And so, you know, he texted me, hey, give me a call on when I'm going to do this. And so we made the connection. <laughs> Uh, I told him, congratulations, Coach. He was like, I'm just glad that Bryce wasn't on the field at the end. You know, mm-hmm. he knew it, okay? And to think about their losses came with a Tennessee field goal and with LSU putting on that performance late with Jaden Daniels. Um, it, it really was something to watch with him because other than Jameer Gibbs, uh, <laughs> He uh, that yeah he might have had the five star monocle but they didn't play like it. He was remarkable to watch last year. And LSU tried to box him. Yeah, in essence, they wanted to keep him in the pocket and couldn't. He, he just kept getting away. Yeah. And uh, I told Brian uh, that what Archie said, and he he gave a pause and he was like, "That's pretty good, isn't it?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "That friend guy's in the Pro Football's Hall of Fame." And I think he's got a chance to be really special. He's not my top-rated player in this draft class, but I think of the quarterback group, he would be the one guy I'd put money on and say, that guy's going to make it and make it big in this league. Tell me about your perspective on Jalen Hyatt and how you see him fitting into the draft. He he was a revelation last year because we didn't see a lot of what we saw last year with Hyatt, his ability to blow the top off of coverage, his speed after the catch. I think he's catching the ball much cleaner today. If you watched him in the past, he sort of caught the ball up against his body. And a lot of times you get hit, the ball's coming out. He's catching the ball out front with his hands. So that's work on his part and also work um with the Tennessee receivers coach to get him to do it. Uh, we, we have the former Tennessee coach here and Cody Burns with the Saints, and 
Oh, we, we had a long talk about it. And he says, Mike, you're right. He was a body snatcher. But he said, man, he's really worked at it. And we saw it. Um, this is his foot speed and his quickness into and out of a cut and a break, much cleaner than we saw earlier in his career. It's not a great draft class for receivers, as we've seen the last three years, when that has been unreal. And then last year, I had six receivers going in round one. Six receivers went in the top 20 last year. I mean, that's how good it was. So you knew eventually you would catch a year like this, and he's got a chance to go in round one. Uh, He's got a second-round pick grade with me, and an early second-round pick grade. Uh, But uh, he made great strides this year. It would not shock me to see a team pick him in round one because that's not a heck of a lot of difference between a late first-round pick grade and an early second. But uh, his progress as a player is really eye-catching because the guy I thought would have the breakthrough year with Cedric Till would be Cedric Tillman. But Cedric had the injuries and basically missed half the season. But Cedric's not getting out of round two either. He's he's one of the few big man receivers in this draft class, along with uh, Ingo uh, out at Ole Miss, who is a taller, thicker verge, just like Cedric. And so those guys are in demand in this league. There's a lot of smaller receivers, but not a lot of big ones. So I think both receivers will go anywhere from probably 28 to 58. Uh, in, in late in round one, early in round uh, into round two uh, for the volunteers. And, you know, Tillman seems to me, if you grab him in the second part of that second round, you talk about some value. That's a serious potential value pick in that league. I know the Saints have a lot of interest in him. We've talked about this in the past, that they have, uh, they have a sort of now with Cody, they have somebody there that understands and knows those Tennessee players. And uh, they've they've moved in that direction. Same way they they I think they like Indian Hooker also, despite signing Derek Carr. And you get it that when you look at Derek's deal, it's really only set up for two years. Uh, the third year, you have to make the decision: do you want to keep him or not? And they have a lot of interest in Cedric Tillman. That I know for for a fact. And so you you get it because they've gravitated toward uh, Tennessee players the last couple years. Yep. Well, you talked about rushers earlier, right? And I don't know physically how he matches up in terms of he doesn't have the longest arms in the world, but tell me what you see in Byron Young and where you expect him to go. I think he'll be an early third-round pick. There'll be a run. Uh, 13 of my top 72 are pass rushers this year. 13 of the top 72. And he's the 13th guy. And I think he'll go probably in round three. Uh, Byron is a quick twitch, get up the field. Uh, he's got the ability to work around bigger guys. And his closing speed to the quarterback is very good. He's gotten better in tracking the ball carrier in run defense. But, again, I go back to it. Pass rushers are a premium in this league. And you can use them so many different ways today. Uh, I had a long talk with Pete Jenkins last night on my way back from doing sports talk. And Pete was saying, just look at the defenses today. Nothing's 
nothing's exactly 4-3 or 3-4. It's all hybrid. And one play you might see a 3-4 alignment, the next is 4-3, then it's a 5-2. And they're coming at you different ways. And so he said, you know, as an 81-year-old man, i got to teach him different techniques for those positions. And so Byron Young is a guy that I know how I'm going to use him early on. I'm going to try to put a little bit of weight on him. I can't get him too much bigger because then I think I'm going to take away from his athleticism. But I know I can use him as a guy to get after the quarterback real quick. And so now with all these varying defenses that you see in the NFL, you can use that undersized guy that may have gotten a knock. Oh, well, he's not big enough to play defensive end, and he's not used much in coverage. Okay, we'll figure it out. Get him on the field when to rush the quarterback. Okay, we're not talking about splitting the atom here. And so I think he goes uh, early in round three. And he's a really good prospect that teams look at and say early on, you know what? He's, he's got a chance to help a team quickly to rush the quarterback in many ways. He is built along the lines of a guy the Saints have in Carl Granderson. <laughs> when he was coming out of high school, he was 173 pounds. 173-pound defensive end. When he finished college, he was 228 pounds. Um, now he's in the 260 range. But he says, I, I know my limit. I, I know I'm not going to be able to get too much bigger than that. And look what he, and he's done. He really played well last year for the Saints uh, as a defensive end. Um, he's got a little bigger uh, wingspan uh, as a player. But, man, Byron's super quick coming off the edge. I, I know how to use him to get up the field. And so I think he'll do fine in that category. And, again, that's nothing being a designated pass rusher in this league. They pay you a lot of money to rush your quarterback. Oh, it's a great job, man. Great work. The two best jobs in that league are playing that end position and then being somebody's backup quarterback and stacking millions in the bank and never getting hit. But uh, Jeremy Banks, does he have a does he have a future? And uh, do you see him getting drafted in this draft? I think later on he's got a shot. He's athletic. Um, he's a playmaker. And so I think he's got a shot uh, as a late-round pick. I really do. Um, again, when you pick late, a lot of times teams go through this debate, and uh, Coach Payton used to tell us all the time, that if you think there's debate on the first-round pick, you ought to hear the debate if you have a seven. Because now you're thinking, okay, if that guy doesn't get picked, we may have four or five teams bidding on him. Uh, maybe let's pick the guy that we think will have the most bidders because we don't want it because there's just a certain amount of money you can use for undrafted free agents. And he said that causes a lot of debate between, like, so I'll just say, hey, I, I know who the top 100 players are really well. After that, i got to rely on my scouts, scouting department, director of college personnel. I've got to lean on him for those fifth and sixth and seventh round picks. And he said that there's a lot of debate because you know why my position coach has maybe went there and worked that guy out or saw him. And then I've got a director of college personnel. i got a regional scout. And my thing is, 
how many teams you think will go after him? Because now we know a little bit about it. Because they're getting calls at this stage. So I think Banks is one of those type guys. I think he'll get picked. Because if he becomes an undrafted free agent, he's going to have more than a couple teams looking to bring him in. It's pretty wild. What do you think the Titans do? Are they really going to take the Levis kit from Kentucky if he's there? Or are they going to do something else? I think they are looking at a quarterback. I have no doubt that they've zeroed in on one of those quarterbacks. Now, some of this may be a little bit of smoke and mirrors with exactly who they've been targeting. You know, at first it was Anthony Richardson, and then we hear word about Will Levis. And but a lot of people think the guy they really like is Hendon Hooker. But certainly they wouldn't take him there, would they? Would they trade down if that's, in fact, the case? It may be. And I think what you will see happen, Tony, is this year is not a great year for offensive tackles. And there are teams in the late teens, in the early 20s, that are looking to upgrade the tackle position. And so we figure by the time the Titans pick – Will Skoronsky uh, from Northwestern and Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State be gone? Uh-huh. And then, okay, now I'm down to two. I'm down to Jones from Georgia and Darnell Wright. Could I make a little move, move myself down, and assure myself of that guy? I think you, the Titans are in a spot where they are going to get a lot of calls where a lot of people are talking about them moving up, and that's possible. As it gets closer to draft time, the chances of movement sort of gets less and less. And I've heard that from enough people, that if you can do it ahead of time, you can maybe make a move if you want a certain player. But what you're hearing now is it isn't the debate about the quarterbacks is debate about the defensive linemen, of which one of these guys we want. Do we want Will Anderson, Jr.? Because uh, you, what you see here, he doesn't grade as high as Vaughn Miller for me, but he's got some similarities uh, to Vaughn. Tyree Wilson is an all-potential player. He looks great coming off the team bus. Looks fantastic. Athletically, he's got everything you would want. Why wasn't he a dominant player at Texas Tech? Why wasn't he dominant in the Big 12? And I think that question is out there. Um, now, a lot of teams really like him because, boy, he, he has the, that dreaded word in sports, potential. Potential means you ain't done a damn thing. you got potential to do it. And then Jalen Carter, the most divided opinions you will ever hear on who I think is the best player in this draft class. But And I knew he didn't play hard every down. A lot of times big men don't. Uh, it's, it's just part of the gig, you know. But they have the ability to take that volume knob and swirl it uh, yeah. left and right. And Jalen can when he wants to. But then now he's caught in the minutia of off-the-field issues. He did not look like he was in very good shape at his pro day. And his stuff about, well, I'm not going to meet with anybody who doesn't have a top-ten team. I don't know who's advising him, but uh, they get an F for me. 
can't go into that league haughty with a chip on your shoulder because if the if the apparatus of that league doesn't knock you down, the players in camp are going to eat your lunch. So either way, I, yeah, it's, that's bad advice. On the way out, hey, Mike Dettelier, if folks want to follow your work, interact with you, how do they do so, my friend? And I really, really, really treasure our time together. You're always wonderful to talk to. I appreciate it. Um, at Mike Dettelier, also on WWLAMFM.com weekly, and we, we do a breakdown every night of the draft class. This Today's defensive tackles. And so every every night we do a big breakdown of the top players at that position. And I think the most interesting thing now is a team that gets to the Super Bowl with two first-round picks, and what do they do? And do they my pick Bijan yep. at 10? My my guys, yeah. Do they pick Bijan at 10? Mike, I, I would, lost so many guys. I'll, I'll Come be on, honest man. with you. He's my eighth-rated player, that. and I would pick him. He's an all-around guy. You would? I would in in a heartbeat. Isn't that a devalued position, though? It is, but he's special. <laughs> okay, uh, name me the other guys around him who were great at Texas. Oh, no, 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 no. You're not getting any argument from me. I mean, from <laughs> okay, the first... Okay, so he's carting yeah. a team as a runner and a receiver. If I got to play Texas... And I knew, I know a couple of the uh, coaches at Alabama. That thing was all week long. You know who we talked about? B. John mm-hmm. Robinson. Mm-hmm. We got off the team bus and we got into the locker room. The talk was B. John Robinson. It was constant. And so here you have Alabama with Nick Saban playing Texas. And they didn't play their best game. And I give Texas a lot of credit. I think they played really good against uh, Alabama. Almost good enough to win. They didn't, but it was it was a good game. Their focus was on what do we do not to stop him, slow him down. And I had one coach uh, who has been an assistant there for a little while tell me we haven't spent that much time on anybody other than Joe Burrow. Pretty impressive. Well, you know, up here, everybody's buzzing about it. and there's I'm in the Philadelphia area right now. There's just a huge debate uh, as to whether or not you take a back there. And then there are people that say what you say, which is, look, if somebody merits being picked there, you pick them. It doesn't matter whether or not that, that position. You don't play follow the leader at this point, especially when you're the Eagles and you kind of are the leader. I mean, that it's remarkable how they've – Ended up in the shape they're in. And then with their cap-friendly uh, deal, they just signed Hertz to, which is very misleading because for the first three years of that deal, the cap hit is not its not injurious at all. I mean, the Eagles are in a very good situation uh, for future success. We'll see how it plays out. Now, here's my deal, Tony, to, be, yeah, to finish yeah. it. If I get five years out of Bijan, yeah. I'm in my years to win it. Uh, and he's a special player in that he is such a good inside runner. He's got the speed to hit the edge. He's a great receiver coming out of the backfield. But you know what he does as good as any college back I've seen the last five years? He can pass protect. Okay, i got a quarterback that's getting knocked around because he's a runner. And, and so if I get a guy that can pick up that blitz and give him an opportunity to buy a little bit more time in the pocket, uh, I've got something there, and I, you know, you got a bunch of smaller backs at Philly. Yep. 
I want a guy for November and December that can grind it out for me. Because I'm going to get in some games like that, and Bijan can yep. do it. You're my man, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it. Peace. The great Mike Dettelier one more time. I, I want to grab Cinco here momentarily. You know, the one thing that we've become begun to say on the air is that, you know, these athletes, these guys work really hard, are allowed to get better. Jalen Hurts is a great example of that. Just a great example of that. I never dreamed in one billion years that he would be the player that he is. Guys are allowed to get better. So it's really important for Tennessee that they have several first and second day draft picks in this upcoming draft. You've got to have some credibility on the recruiting trail. You've got to start that over again. Brian, how long do you think it's been since we've had five guys taken in the first couple rounds of the draft, if Mike Dettelier is right? It could have been the 2017, maybe. Yep. When Butch Jones semi had it cooking. It's really important in this league to get guys to the league. I, I and and look, I'm not a huge NFL guy. I like it. I don't it's not a religion to me like it is to some people. I like it, I enjoy it. Uh Sean Sinclair, it's important uh that these guys I've gotta call Sean back. He dropped his connection. That so. these guys that these guys are uh are found. And are drafted highly. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. 865-200-5402. It's NCAA Day 1 up there with the Vols up in Cincinnati. When news breaks out, we'll break in. In the meantime, welcome back, Vesco. As we predicted on the show, in fact, we predicted it yesterday on the show that Vesco was going to announce this week that he was coming back, and that's exactly what he did yesterday. So Tennessee worked the deal out with him, and uh, that's great. By my estimation, he is probably going to be the top returner in the league this side of Wade Turner uh, at Texas A&M. That's if uh, old Shebway doesn't come back to Kentucky, which he's not expected to come back, but we'll see what happens. 865-200-5402. Hold your calls, because on the other side, we come back. I get Sean back in the hunt and in the mix with us, and we continue to break her on down scientifically. Evan Russell uh, coming up later on in hour number two as we continue right after this. Spread the word and get the app at TonyBasilio.com for Android and iPhones. This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, a.k.a. t Willie, and you're listening to 101.7 FM, WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can always count on us for a great selection of late model, low mileage, one owner vehicles. All have been thoroughly inspected and are ready to go. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Looking to sell your vehicle? Great news! We're paying top dollar for your trade. All makes, all models, and in any condition. Trade in and trade up today. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can count on us. 
Hi, Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. When you think of diamonds, what do you think of? Rare, precious, timeless, sparkles like the sun. They are timeless and nothing like them on earth. Then do you think, where do I buy local to buy the perfect ring? Maybe a diamond pendant or earrings or maybe a new diamond band. Look no further. Tillis Jewelry carries all your diamond and jewelry needs. Stop by and see our wonderful collection. And remember, if you don't know your diamonds, know your jeweler. Tillis Jewelry, downtown Columbia. This is Dr. Dominic Mancini from the Dr. Gill Center. If your car was damaged in an auto accident, chances are you'd fix the car. Why wouldn't you give that same attention to yourself? Untreated whiplash injuries of the spinal column may lead to conditions such as headaches, numbness in the arms, neck and back pain. The doctors at the Dr. Gill Center specialize in detecting and treating such injuries from an auto accident. Accident consultations are free. Call me painfree.com or call 615-551-9224. In today's uncertain world, you can never be too careful about your family's financial future. That's why the Parker Group, a part of Baird's Private Wealth Management, is offering a free second opinion on your financial plans. Let us review your current plan, and we will identify any gaps and offer suggestions to improve it. Please call the Parker Group at 931-548-3737. That's 931-548-3737. Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated does not offer tax or legal advice. Hi, Jimmy here for Columbia Ace Hardware. Columbia Ace Hardware now carries Magnolia Home by Joanna Gaines Paint. Now their premium quality and huge selection of colors will be right in your neighborhood. Along with the award-winning service and advice, Columbia Ace has always provided for your paint projects. Around the block, what you need in stock, with people who know their paint. Columbia Ace, the helpful place. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. The NASCAR Cup Series. Here they come, making their way now through the triable. Speed begins to pick up. Short track swing is over. Now there's a problem. I want to crash in turn number four. Three cars involved. One of them was Daniel Henry. Which means it's time for Super Speedway Racing in Alabama. Bubba Wallace into the wall, steaming to the line. Ross Chastain will win. It's the Geico 500. Sunday, April 23rd at 1 p.m. on WKOM 101.7 FM. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. T to the B, back with you, 865-200-5402. It is utterly outstanding to be alive and well with you. Dr. Sean Sinclair, are you fired up, folks, and prepared for another hour of greatness here? Absolutely am. I'm not, I apologize for my uh, technical problems here i got a brand new phone well, I'm, I'm not working i'm technically i'm technically not the person to talk about technical issues let's go to the phones and we'll get andy in here on the heels of mike detillier on the heels of what will be a tremendous hour number two including the great evan russell mike detillier k i mean uh mike andy k Pasamigo. hey how you doing tony what's up brother always good to hear your voice my man 
Hey, appreciate it, fam. Hey, I got something to tell you. I just yeah. laugh about this stupid NCAA here. Now, everybody's mm. like, well, why? I was like, well, let's just be real. We know where Pruitt came from before. We know for a fact that Alabama is guilty just as much as we are because they've been doing this way, way before we ever even, you know, did it. And they've been like, okay, let's be real. We know Georgia as well. So this is how I feel about it. This is how Tennessee needs to handle it. If it was me there today, I would look at Sansky and say, look, you know, for a fact, we ain't the only ones that's been doing this. You know that you're, uh, I'm going to be nice because we're not at 1 o'clock, that your hoe, Nick Saban, is doing this way worse long time ago, buying houses, boats, Dodge Chargers, owns his own dealership. Mm-hmm. Like, come on now. Like, you can't touch Pruitt. You know you can't touch Pruitt because if you if you go after Pruitt, you're opening up a bag of worms. Doc, what are your thoughts on the, on the gold today that's coming from the mouth of Andy, who generally is on here with pros, but today has come with a different sort of message? Well, I think you're assuming that everything is played on a level field, and it's not. Yeah. It's not in. There's the, if you're, if you, there is no way that Jeremy Pruitt is going to spill the beans on Alabama or Nick Saban. Yep. It's not going to happen. Yep. He, he'll he'll uh, he'll die on that hill and yep. go into retirement with the Alabama boosters just funneling him money uh, to stay in a comfortable lifestyle. It's not going to happen. You know what I think? You know what I think? The other good news is Andy. I don't think he's going to turn on fil- filmer either. And Tennessee, because no. this guy wants to work I'm not, again. I'm not saying and that. snitches get stitches. Snitches get stitches with the NCA. That's the thing that's so interesting about their deal. Bruce Pearl, forever and ever, was seen as a pariah in their circles, uh, Andy, mm. and, and, a, and, a, and a horrible right. person because he tape recorded a kid being uh, being che- uh, being uh, exploited. I mean, basically, that's what he did, and that's a no-no. That's a no-no. See. Whereas they probably should have said, oh, man, you know, you're showing the injustice of the system. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. They turned Pearl into the ultimate bad guy. I mean, it's the weirdest profession. It is so close to the mafia, it's just not even funny. Yeah. It's hilarious, though, because I really don't think anything's going to come out of this. I really don't, because they're not going to do nothing to prove it, I don't think. I mean... I mean, if Pruitt takes everything and goes down, then I'll be very surprised if yep. he, you know, doesn't, you know, if he doesn't say anything, you know, and just says, hey, you know, give what, you know. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be very interesting. Well, it is going to be interesting, and that's the truth and and the other thing is this thing goes behind closed doors so nobody sees or hears what they say sean why don't they allow a little transparency in there we've got cameras in courtrooms why don't we get a little camera in their courtroom sean i don't think i want a camera in the courtroom because i think that uh when you when you have the 
quote-unquote secrecy there, then people can all save face when they come out. And, you know, the NCAA may go here. I think it's I think it's important that uh, Greg Sankey showed up today, uh, mm-hmm. uh, assuming he was at Tennessee's defense and trying to lend a hand mm-hmm. there. It, it only makes sense because he doesn't want this conference to lose any money or to be tarnished. Um, so I think it's best that it stays behind closed doors. Well, all well, I say is let's get our popcorn ready. That's about it. But boom, Andy, so you're the man. You are the man, Andy. Thank you, brother. You ought to do like a rap once this thing's over with and cut an absolute promo on Pruitt and all that was entailed. I I wrote in the blog today, Sean, that he was going to challenge the King's English in the Queen City, which I think is a pretty good line. So, because he is going to challenge the King's English. You think those, um, you think those ideologues that sit on those boards up there are going to wince at some of the uh, uh, syntax you're going to hear coming from that de- that gentleman, Cinco? No offense to him. I think his ter- I think his attorneys have probably shoved the court in that mouth pretty deep so he doesn't Im- implicate himself <laughs> anymore i would bet you that's the case i would bet you they've coached him hey jeremy if you ever want to work again you can't let these people get to you you can't get emotional i wonder how that whole thing works i wonder if they just sit there and let them talk uh or if it's a deal where they try to um they try to make them uncomfortable and push them and grab them and bring them into different ends. We'll certainly find out because uh, we've got some moles. So we'll certainly uh, get what we can get for you and share it in due time. In the meantime, uh, Evan Russell's going to join a little later on in the hour with our TLD Logistics um, Extra Innings, Tennessee Baseball Extra Innings. And Sean will be a part of that. We look forward to unpacking uh, what's going on in baseball, which we haven't said a word about thus far. In the meantime, on the TLD Logistics Hotline, uh, the Josh Gray is making his debut on the program. And Josh Gray is with our friends over Ladies and Germs. Uh, we break it down scientifically with you and do it with the greatest of ease. But Josh is with uh, our friends at FC Alliance. Uh, and, Josh, I bring you in against the backdrop that you guys continue to roll in our community with the beautiful game and are continuing to find success despite the fact that you come from one of the smaller cities in the country, yet you guys continue to have the success you're having, as I welcome you in. Yeah, thanks Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, kind of remarkable that we're able to do it from such a small market. Um, in our league, ECNL, which is top girls league in the country probably second best boys league in the country um if we're not the smallest market i don't know of another one so we have to do things a lot differently we we have to develop our players in-house um you know in the larger cities for their teams they just go get another player from another team or another another suburb um something like that in knoxville we don't have that luxury so when players enter our program at five years old they are developed by some of the best staff until they're 12 and 13 and they're ready to compete. That's really the only way we can do it is to develop our own. We don't have the luxury to just go out and get somebody. 
You know what's interesting? We were just talking with a, a guy, NFL draft guy, you know, different sport, but same concept. He mm-hmm. said it's one thing to bring an uber-talented athlete into your program. And he said, Nick Saban said, look, the most important uh, byproduct of the whole deal is developing these people. And so when we talk about player development specifically, how does it continue to happen for you all? And, and, and what are some of the byproducts you feel like of player development that just translate to different sports? Because development is development. Yes, it, 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 it absolutely is, and we're no different than, than any of the things you just mentioned. We just have a very limited pool of population to do it with. So we have a curriculum that starts at five years old that's been developed probably for the last, I would say, 20 years in various clubs, and, and we have some great people who have been working in that curriculum for a long time and understand it and continue to do the same things and evolve, but we've been getting a great product when it's time for them to compete at older ages. Um, it's also led into relationships with colleges that they seek out our players because of how much we've invested in developing them over the years. I mean, we've put probably four over 400 kids since 2010 into colleges. That is absolutely remarkable. As we visit with Josh Gray, FC Alliance, uh, on the program, you guys have, if if parents want to get their kids involved in the program, uh, you have an opportunity coming up with tryouts. Tell me about that. Yep, so we have basically our U12 and younger tryouts coming up the week of May 15th, and then our older U13 and above tryouts coming up the, the Monday after, or the Tuesday after Memorial Day. Um, it's a time, excuse me, it's a time to come see what we do, um, see how we've developed players because they'll get to jump in at a tryout and see um, the progress that other kids have made. And it's the easiest way to join us this, this spring. And the thing I'm really excited about, too, is you've got this new uh, opportunity for a lot of the kids that are playing in college and a lot of the kids that are seeking to play at a high level, both male and female, uh, coming up. Uh, with this league and this team that you're starting with the 865. Tell us about that. So it was the, ne- it was the next progression of development for us. Is For years, John and I have been talking about we coach these kids from 5 to 18, and then they go away to college, and we don't have any more involvement with them. Um, this was a way for us to continue developing them during their college years to maybe give them a chance to play professionally. So it was a, more of an outreach of we've taken care of these kids for so many years, but we are not completing the pathway. So we created the 865 Alliance men's and women's team, and it's made up of a lot of our former players and local college players. And what we set out of the mission is to continue to develop local talent until they're ready to move on to the next step. And so if folks want more information on what you're doing, uh, Josh Gray, how do they get in touch with you? So you can go to fcalliancenox.org um, and find out everything about the youth club. You can go to 865alliance.com, find out anything about our semi-professional teams, tickets, um, dates, schedule, all the above there. Yeah, it's going to be really, really fun getting out this summer and seeing some high-level play 
Uh, I look forward to it as somebody that's an advocate of the game, uh, uh, both FC Alliance and what you guys are doing, and also with the 865 piece to what you're doing. Tonight, there is a friendly USA and Mexico. You know, you put friendly in quotations when those two teams get together. An interesting thing is happening. My uh, my Philadelphia Union last week went and are in the um, uh, semifinal of the CONCACAF Champions League, which I think is a great, great, great idea uh, that the Mexican uh, First Division and the MLS have gotten together. And I, I think that it's forced the MLS to have a better level of play because it's something for them to measure up to. But now you see it on a world stage. What is your sense of where we are as a soccer nation with 2026 right around the corner? And I'm in the Philadelphia area, and these people up here are very excited about the opportunity to host the World Cup here. You're already seeing signs and things like that on the parkway and things like that coming in 2026. So people are really excited here. What is your sense of... What kind of uh, a club America can uh, field by then? So I, I've always thought the thing that separates the other countries from the U.S. team is culture. And the culture of, of football and the rest of the world is just, it's just different. People live, breathe it. It's everything. I, I think it may never get there in the U.S., but it's so much farther now. I think there's a soccer culture. Um, I think as we create more of that in cities like Philadelphia, um, I think that we're going to continue to get better. We're also doing a better job of getting our players at a young age to those cultures in Europe and letting them develop there and then bringing them back to the national team. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? And then plus what you guys are doing, uh, this, this whole concept of academy-level soccer, and mm-hmm. the sport there, it just didn't exist 20 years ago. Like, we were just flying blind as a nation. So what you guys I, are doing I, I agree. has a huge hand in that, right? Because now yeah. people understand the sport. It changes even culturally here, and it helps raise the level of the, of the nation. It only makes sense. And in these academies and clubs all over the country, we're getting this first – there's something that's happening now that hasn't really happened before. And we are getting parents – of kids that have come up through that system. And we're starting to get parents that we have coached their, their kids are entering the program, but we coach their parents. So we're getting more in the whole country, a development of that culture that there's a lot more parents that have played now. Josh Gray, anything else you care to add today? Cause it's really, really interesting. And we look forward to, tracking the upcoming seasons with you uh, this uh, spring and summer uh, over at FC Alliance, Knox.org, and, of course, with the 865 uh, teams as well that will be taking the field here shortly. That season starts when, like in a month or so? Yeah, May 20th. Good gosh, man. How how are you guys going to sleep between now and then? I don't see how you guys get sleep to begin with. So when we decided that this is what had to happen for Knoxville, we both we took on another full-time job. Um, it went from 40, 50 hours a week to huh, a lot more. Um, but yeah, it's all going to be worth it and pay off when we get to see, see everyone on the field. There you, there you go. I'm trying to simplify my life, and you and Schneider are trying to complicate yours. So <laughs> more power to you, we just, 
we realized that about a month after we decided to do it. But we're 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 happy. We're happy and 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 the kids and the college kids getting this opportunity, it's all worth it to us. Like I said, it's completing the development from five to twenty five. More power to you, my brother. Uh, I hope you guys have a great a great day. Anything else you'd care to add here on the way out? And thank you. No, the only the only thing I would add is the thing that's interesting to me with the U.S. and Mexico tonight is I watched Mexico and Jamaica, and you know they have a new coach. End of March, they tied Jamaica two to two, and the Mexican team was getting booed in the stadium, in their own stadium in Mexico City. So I think there is some added pressure to the team that uh, is a little bit underneath the current. Yep, and in, in, and and I appreciate you. Hey, Sean Sinclair, I bring you in. You're, you're a big fan of European footy. People think that we are not patient with SEC head coaches and coaches in our sports. I mean, the, the, the pressure on these guys at that level, these coaches and these administrators, I mean, they blow them out at the drop of a dime, Sean, what he's talking about, how the Mexican fans were treating their players the other day. Well, to put that in perspective, for better or worse, I'm a, a long-time fan of Chelsea Football Club out of London, and we've had tremendous success over the past 20 years. In fact, a Champions League uh, victory just within the past couple of years. And we right now are on our third manager this year. <laughs> By the way, this year. and uh, But... The stakes and the money are so high. The publicity is so high. We're even bringing back, we brought back uh, an absolute, uh, uh, well, basically think of, uh, think of the guy we have now is essentially our Peyton Manning. Uh, and they're still, and he's only been in there three games, four games, and they're ripping his head off. So that's just, that's, that's England football, baby. Well, and that's the deal. So, Josh, that's one thing. That's a 10 o'clock game tonight, those of you that will be around the uh, the telly. That's 10 o'clock game tonight, and uh, the U.S. is throwing their full their full uh, lot out there. So it's going to be a mano-a-mano type deal. Anytime those two countries get together, that is well worth watching. It's always fun to watch. There are cheap shots all over the place. Um, and so... Josh, I appreciate you, FC Alliance. Give the website out one more time, and I thank you for your time, my brother. It is fcalliancenox.org. Thanks, Tony. Much appreciation to you. Thank you. And keep doing what you're doing for the beautiful game in our area. Hey, Cinco, I'll tell you what's not beautiful right now is that Tennessee baseball experience. Would you describe that as beautiful, Cinco? Uh, I'd describe that as the opposite of beautiful, and a couple of things about that is that one – yeah. You can see that uh, Coach Vitello is, has pushed every button. He's turned every dial. He's given every speech. He's told every joke. He's patted every back and rubbed every head. And he's done everything he can do. And I think he is right now. I've been I've been very impressed with his after game um, interviews because he's not. He's already realized that showing anger, calling out the kids, is just not going to work. Um, this is just this is just a down year. Uh, certainly, we've played a, a who's who of top ten programs this year and fared somewhat well. But this team has this team has a, a, a collection of players that have really no defined roles. Uh, we do not have 
uh, established leader like Drew Gilbert that'll run through a wall. Uh, frankly, the the talent is lacking compared to last year's. That's no offense to any of those guys. Uh, and it's just uh, you know they're running into a meat grinder that that you know that for the past two years this this program has looked at that meat grinder, dominated it, and laughed at it while they were doing it, and so they are they are cashing checks that the previous two teams wrote, and it's just going to be a tough one. But in saying that, we're playing bad baseball, and I don't care how talented or untalented you are. There's no excuse for bad baseball. And so that's, I, I don't know what to say about that. Um, it's unfortunate that we're trying to build a stadium and have, keep the momentum with this program, uh, during this time because I, I, I've already, we said this before the year. We said, if this team slips, watch all the bandwagon fans jump on them. And I'm already noticing it. And I think that's a shame. Uh, but, um, uh, still, it's an enjoyable thing out there, and, and I think they're going to turn it around a little bit. Yeah, and, and Berkey says, you know, 9-6, and 8-7 and seven in the league from here, probably going to make a really good case to get you in, maybe maybe get to Hoover and have to win a couple games or whatever. Uh, look, I don't give up. Anytime you get the pitching staff Tennessee has, you don't give up. But it has been it has been I-O, it has been eye-opening and a real wake-up call to me as to how good not only Southeastern Conference baseball is, but how good all these kids are. Because last night, if you look across college baseball, it was like um, it was like midweek madness last night. There were directional schools. I mean, Indiana State went down and trounced Vandy last night. And people said, "Well, you know, man, the midweek pitchers and blah blah blah." Hey, listen. It's Indiana State, and they went down there and smoked them. And then you've got uh, several other directional schools last night uh, took down their their uh, counterparts in, in various parts of the country. And the point is there's a bunch of baseball players that can play all over the country in that sport. And it's got a little bit of, uh, it's got a little bit of uh, the, the basketball feel to it, where if you go out there and you don't pay attention – and you don't like Tony said last night. If you go out there and you don't compete, and you got a Tennessee Tech, yeah, they have ten wins. They came in there and ate Tennessee's lunch last night and made them like it. I mean, they made them. They almost run rolled them in their own building. I mean, think about how embarrassing that is. Could have gotten yeah, run rolled in their own you, you, building. You got, a, you got a squad here, and and again, I like these kids, but you there's not one, and they can think they are. And someone will say, "Well, what about this ABC guy?" Okay, but there's not a there's not a player on that squad that looks like they want to step up and hit the game winning foul shot, either on the Tony mound talked about that. or, or yep. in the bat. I mean, they, they yep. there's nobody. Yep. There's it's a we have a bunch of players that are very talented, but they're yep. right now they're complementary. I mean, you've got the 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 two stud sophomores in in. Um, Burke and Christian Moore, I mean, they, you know, they 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 look like they're still complementary players to Gilbert and um, yeah, and uh, Lipscomb and those guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, So I don't know how you I don't know how you turn that around because before we start talking about wins and losses, 
we ought to start talking about playing fundamental baseball, not great baseball. Fundamental. You, we had a we had a player last, and I'm not calling any. We had a player last weekend that that runs that that strolls off his base. A, a ball is caught near home plate, and two players advance. And then that same player, down six nothing, is standing on second base. A ball gets hit to the warning track in deep center field, and he doesn't tag up and go to third. I, I, I don't know what to tell you on that stuff. Evan Russell's going to have a few things to tell us. We'll come back. 865-200-5402 if you want to get in. we got about a half hour to play or so. Um, and it has just been, it's mystifying. One thing about having Russell on here, he pulls no punches. And this will be really the first Tennessee baseball we've talked 90 minutes in, but uh, last night was very frustrating. Those of you who missed the program, we, we broke down some of the football stuff earlier, also some of the NCAA stuff, um, which let's hope it's over today. Uh, they, they've reserved three days for Tennessee. Uh, Philip Fulmer's there. Uh, Tennessee's brass is there. Danny White and Fulmer in the same room. Danny, probably some of the things he's going to hear next couple days are going to make his head spin when he thinks about how non-compliant and how out of control and just utterly asleep at the switch Fulmer was. Can you imagine what's going to be going through a real AD's mind when he's sitting next to Fulmer? And I do mean Fulmer, who was breaking the film down uh, when he should have been watching uh, our treasured possession, University of Tennessee football. It, it makes me angry today to stop and think about that. It makes me very, very angry. Brief timeout, Evan Russell on the other side. It's TLD Logistics, Tennessee Baseball Extra Innings, and it happens right after this. Spread the word and get the app at TonyBasilio.com for Android and iPhones. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together, we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons, and we run his dealership, and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family-owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway, or at ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, this is Steve, the Garbage Man. Y'all have heard me talk in the past about Packer, our mascot dog. 
Well, I have some sad news about Packer. She recently crossed over the Rainbow Bridge to join our other beloved pets of the past. Packer lived out her final days on our farm in Water Valley. She had a great 14 years of life after being rescued by Don from being thrown away as a pup in someone's garbage. Rest in peace, Packer. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, MimsModernLandscape.com. That's MimsModernLandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. This is Laurie Cole, Executive Director with Pay Grace Forward. We are a community solution to predatory lending. We help people in Murray County who are trapped in payday and title loan debt. We do this through financial mentoring, followed by low interest grace loans. To see if Pay Grace Forward can help you or to volunteer with our organization, please visit our website at paygraceforward.org or call 931-548-6797. Join us on April 21st at 7.30 a.m. for the Dorothy Campbell Golf Scramble. This is going to be an annual event. It'll be hosted by the Tohee Golf Course on April 21st, starting at 7.30 to noon. Proceeds from this tournament will go towards the academic and athletic opportunities for our students at Columbia Central. Please contact Ms. Christy Smith at Columbia Central High School or Dr. Mike Steele, the principal at Columbia Central High School. Hope to see you out there to celebrate this amazing individual for the Dorothy Campbell Golf Scramble. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. Bow your head, ladies and gentlemen, because it is time to get it cranked up here. It is TLD Logistics Extra Innings. The great Evan Russell's now joining us, now joining us on your Tony Basilio show. Hey, Ev, um, man, what, what has happened you and I, a couple uh, weeks ago, came on here after that LSU deal and said we were both bought in for the rest of the season. How can you go from that to looking like that last night? What in the world is going on? I mean, is this real? Are we in a vortex right now? Uh, I mean, how do we make sense of this, Evan? Yeah, we did buy in. Uh, I thought they had a very good weekend, even if they didn't win this this series. I thought they had a good weekend against LSU, just because of the effort. Uh, they showed no. that they were in dogfights. 
Um, they needed to clean up some things, but the effort was there, and I was in no shape or form thinking that we would be on the verge of missing the tournament after that weekend, but um, it, the negativity has definitely snowballed, and mm. yesterday is just a prime example of, of what can happen uh, if you're not close as a team in the locker room and you don't take care of the little things and you don't have a desire to win. Evan Russell joining. Who, who, on here, like he and I were exchanging texts, and you know his his text to me was Tony. I, like I'm not mad about this. I'm just kind of disappointed, and I sort of feel the same way. I, I got kind of accustomed, and it isn't so much the winning, but it was just how fun uh, the team was the last couple of years. And we'll grab Sean Sinclair and bring him in here momentarily, as Evan doing this on a different day than. Then generally we do this because he's had a couple commitments the last couple days, and we so value and treasure uh, our time with Evan and thank our friends at TLD Logistics for allowing us to spend some time with him. And, Evan, when we set out to do this this year and I first contacted you, we knew this wasn't going to be last year. You and I knew this was not going to be, quote, unquote, a super team. But, Evan, I never dreamed in a million years it would look like this. Yeah, any time you lose a ton of people like we did last year, it's not going to look the same. Um, but I, I think we need to look back and, and see how many people we lost the year prior to last year as well. And we need to start asking ourselves, what's the difference? Before we start throwing the blame on the coaching staff, we can look back to two years prior where we lost a catcher, we lost a second baseman, a shortstop, a third baseman, a left fielder, a Saturday guy, and the Friday night guy and then multiple pieces out of the bullpen. So that's losing quite a bit of people. So in my opinion, what's the difference? I think you had individuals coming back last year that were able to prepare the younger guys for the day-to-day grind of the SEC. And I don't think that the older guys in the locker room fully prepared them throughout every practice leading up to the season and getting them ready because uh, there, there's multiple moments um, that, that I've noticed that, that they've shown they're not, they did not understand how important the little things were. For example, the fly ball at Arkansas where Drew Beam catches it and no one's there at third. Those are things that you cover day in and day out in practice and seeing those little things in practice make it, automatic to pick up throughout the game so the fact that they never even noticed that someone needed to be a third which was probably going to be the shortstop and the fact that the second baseman wasn't telling him to be there before the play even happened um, shows that the lack of leadership is very evident and it, it needed to be corrected throughout the practice but I don't think the older guys knew how to portray that Sean Sinclair jump in here we're we're just trying to make sense of a of a tenancy team that, frankly, still has the pitching to do a lot of things this year. But uh, it there there, Sean said earlier. Uh, well, Sean, say what you said to Evan before we went to the break, because I want to get his thoughts on what you said about not worrying about going on some great win streak here. But go, go ahead and say say it the way you just said it, Sean. Well, Evan, I big fan of your career and appreciate you spending some time on the show every week. Uh, what I said earlier was that this team needs to stop thinking about wins and losses 
and start thinking about playing proper baseball. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting playing world class baseball, just proper baseball. I had to mention before you got on, you, I, I referenced the play you're talking about. And then one of those same players were down six nothing with one out. Ball's hit to the center field warning track, and he doesn't tag up. I mean, he, he's not going to get the third out there, more, more than likely. And so I'd also said that, you know, this, this program has lost its stinger. You guys had, for lack of a better term, the swag, the the uh, aggressiveness, et cetera. I, I don't see any players here. Again, I love them all. I don't see any players here that look like they would want to step up to a foul line and hit a free throw to win a game. I don't. And I think you guys had several. Uh, you yourself included, uh, that were big, big, big moment spotlight players that were just crawling over each other to get into the box to be that guy. And I don't see that. I think part of the problem is, is that when your upperclassmen have not really respectfully have not really done it on the diamond, it's hard for them to be a leader because they don't have much to show. You know, yourself, Drew Gilbert, Jordan Beck, uh, Max Ferguson, Liam Spence, those guys, Rucker, those guys were able to show that Trey Lipscomb, this is how an All-American plays. This is what you do. And I know that you guys last year did that. And then also I think the transfer portal guys, at times, to me, they look overwhelmed. And that's just a, that's a, that's, that's coming from a guy that was not a great athlete at all, just a, just a longtime fan of Tennessee baseball and a and a um, watchful observer. Yeah, I, I can completely agree with everything you say um, on basically the transfer portal. I think has sort of potentially ruined uh, a little bit of the brand that we had built over the two years. Which don't get me wrong, the, the talent that we brought in with the transfer portal is immaculate. Um, clearly, they haven't shown that they can play at that level, but the talent. Um, based on just a tools-wise standpoint, it's there. But if you go back to the guys you just mentioned, myself, Max Ferguson, Drew Gilbert, Trey Lipscomb, if you look at who these guys are as individuals, everyone has something in common, and that was a burning desire to change Tennessee baseball from what it was. Uh, Max Ferguson was a, a guy out of Florida, wasn't recruited from Florida, wasn't recruited out of uh, to any big time SEC school. Got the opportunity to come to Tennessee and was had a little had a little anger and wanted to um, build something that that was worth value. And I'm myself included. I, I'm a Tennessee guy. I wanted to wear the Tennessee hat as a privilege because it is, and being able to play in front of the the true fans it's a privilege. And Drew Gilbert decided to come to Tennessee to change a program. He decommitted from Oregon State, which is a premier program, to come to Tennessee to be a part of something um, that, that that could last or leave a legacy, and he did that. So that is what created Tennessee baseball. And that's what I meant by whenever I said I'm not mad, I'm disappointed, is because the effort that I'm seeing, there is no pride with doing the little things correctly. There is no pride with showcasing to the entire world of college baseball what Tennessee baseball does every day in practice that leads up to the success that we have. And, and that's what dis- disappoints me 
on the biggest scale. And maybe we can turn it around, but um, hopefully the young guys can see what happens whenever you don't take pride in those little things. And it's really sad. You know, it's like um, like the other day, that, that uh, and, they, and, you know, you think, you hear the stuff about Ahuna and he's hurt or he's not or blah, 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 but, you know, I, I, and I hate to, I'm not singling him out, okay? But, man, I look at that whole thing now, and I don't know how good of an idea that is to do that. I wonder if Tony and them learned from it. Um, do you avoid the high-profile guys and go for more chemistry-type players? It's going to be interesting to see because they're going to have to rework their team and in short order, aren't they, Evan, once we get to the off season. Yeah, I believe so. But you're dealing with people that are really good at recruiting. They they recruited guys yeah. like I just mentioned, the Trey Lipscomb, Drew Gilbert. They, they recruited those guys whenever we were nothing. So these guys are very, very talented at recruiting. They they I think they, they understand where they messed up in their recruiting style with this new transfer portal and, and trying to bring in guys and to make an impact right away. And I think that they're going to make adjustments, which – um, you know, these guys are winners. They they won wherever they they were at with Frank Anderson, Botello, Elander. They've all won, so they know what the formula looks like. Now it's just making adjustments and getting back to that good balance of the chemistry and the talent. And the other thing is, it's just been kind of a perfect storm here. You know, of everything. Last night just felt like a culmination of it. You've got more over there hobbling around. The situation that happened with Joyce, which is just terrible. Um, the way the Ahuna deal has just kind of unraveled. Uh, and it was just all sort of laid to bear last night. And, and I guess the question is, Evan, do they have another run in them? I mean, can they can they put it together uh, and, and, and get Vandy this weekend? What do you think? It's possible. Um, it's very well possible, and it might have taken uh, rock bottom for them to finally start figuring out how to play together um, just because you couldn't get any worse than last night. You could see it all over their faces. You could see it on uh, Coach Vitello's face, how disappointed he was in just the effort. Um, yeah, Just because, let, let's just call a spade a spade. Um, that, that team wasn't very good. There, there was no reason that the game should have been out of hand right out the gate in the third inning. Um, but uh, that, that's just everything snowballing uh, into one game is what it looked like to me. But if they're going to turn it around, they, they better turn it around quickly because this Vanderbilt team is going to come in and they're ready to um, step on the neck and, and not let up. Sean, before you jump in with your question for Evan, i got to ask you something because you've been going to games forever and ever, and you've been there the whole entire time during the Vitello years you you followed the whole whole deal is last night the low point in the Vitello tenure so far Sean just the way that thing unfolded and the way it felt and because that thing was stark last night it was in your face in terms of just what it what was going on on the field I don't know about the low point to me the low point was the Missouri series. 
because I saw a team out there that did not want to be on that diamond. They were more concerned with how many layers of gear they had on. They were more concerned about, you know, what they were, you know, you know, they they were trying to live up to the legacy of of Evan and his guys, and yet they were they were smacked in the face. And and Missouri comes out there with all due respect. Missouri's okay, but they came out there and they were on fire, and the cold didn't affect them. That that's really where it got to me. Because there was absolutely no, there was no punch at all, and and I'm glad I haven't said it. Because we, I, I, I started mine by saying I'm not, I was never a great athlete, and and we know Evan's story. Respectfully, Evan, you know, came here because he wanted to come here and and played about anywhere he could. God given great swing, no question about it. But he got he got through and became a player because of just want to make himself better and an absolute just fire of wanting to stuff it down your throat and i'm not trying to fluff you here evan that's that's what i saw and there was nobody there was no drew gilbert there's no evan russell there was nobody to just jerk a knot in somebody in that missouri a dugout and say let's go and last night what i saw was a team resigned to strike out a team that was okay with getting smoked by little brother to the to the uh, west and that's what was really just. And then the other thing that that really caught my attention was that Coach V looks like, as we said before, it looks like he has exhausted everything he and his coaching staff know how to do to get to these players. And now he's just he hasn't given up, but he's. It seems to me like he's saying, "Hey, you know these guys are so fragile right now. I don't want to. I don't want to chew on them anymore because I may lose the whole thing." Am I out of line with any of that, Evan? No, I think you're 100% correct. Uh, you know, these guys, these coaching staff, they, they know that these are still players and young men. So I, I think that they're looking long-term um, when it comes to developing the younger guys and trying to get them prepared. I'm not saying they cashed in this season, but you've got to start looking towards uh, developing the D- Dylan Dryling, developing um, your young pitchers. Um, getting trying to find your your fits for um, how you could prepare for the future um, because if the older guys are not showing that they have that fire and that desire to win and win now, um, you can only do so much with what your players are doing on the field. So as a coaching staff, I, if I was a coach, I would start trying to maximize my probability of winning a national championship and doing whatever that takes. Not saying I'm not I'm not trying to win the games in front of me, but I am trying to build a program and I'm going to put the people out on the field that truly want to be there and let them grow. The other side of it, Evan, is I, I watch our club. I don't know how to say this. So I'm just going to say it out loud because I just thought about it last night. We're not exactly playing hard. Do you see what I'm saying? And I know that's a hard thing to quantify in baseball. Sean used a term where you did, want to, or resigned, whatever that is. That, the body language, these guys, and, and I go back to that Missouri series. We, we ripped them afterwards, but the body language, I think I came on and said, man, did somebody want to get them a cup of hot chocolate, get them in a safe place. That. 
and then they fought against LSU and looked like they had some some urgency to them. I don't see any urgency here. It can't be that you're not good enough. It, it's got to be something else. Because these guys are better than what they're showing, aren't they? Yeah, I think they are. Um, I, I can I can use examples from my freshman year just because we weren't too talented. Um, yeah. But the difference in my freshman year compared to this year is that there were there was a desire to win, especially late in the year. Um, at the beginning of the year, we didn't really know how to fight, and some games we felt overwhelmed with talent, especially teams like Florida and Vanderbilt. But towards the end of the year, we started really being prideful with losing, especially on our field. Um, it, you know that you've got to have a little fight to, and you've got to have a little, a little arrogance and a little pride when it comes to competition. Um, because that there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. And it, it, I just don't see the fight in them, especially um, after losses or in close games, because a majority of our close games have ended up being blowouts later in the game. And, and that shows that once it gets a little out of hand, the team sort of fall, folds and um, lays down. And, and that's where I've been most disappointed. And that's where I think that the leadership and the older guys that basically prove with their actions that it doesn't matter what it takes. I'm at least going to try. And that's maybe sliding a little hard, too hard into second mm-hmm. base. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe showing some, some attitude in some way of like um, being disappointed, you know, mm-hmm. emotion is a bad thing when it comes to performance but there's little edges you can do to try to try to spark your team or at least let the other team know that you were there and that they might have beat you today, but I would love to play you tomorrow. And I just don't well, see that attitude right now. A great example of that, right? Too much of this is a bad thing. But when a guy makes a stupid error on a baseball field and nobody says anything to him, people say, well, that's kind of a good sign. I don't think that's a good sign, Evan. I, uh, uh, there comes a point, Tony said last night after the game, and he said at 6.30 into his deal, he said, you know, look, we as coaches can sit there and say all day long anything we want to say to these people. But somebody on this team has to say that's enough. That's somebody on the, on the roster. Basically, he said there's a time to snap, and the time is now. And let me just let me jump weird. in, Tony, because I, I, I look. I, I love these guys, <clears throat> I truly do. But you know, the thing that kind of gets is a little bird my saddle, so to speak, is that you know it, it, it was a time when we didn't have two years ago. We didn't have all the uniform options. We didn't have the daddy hat that I think I believe Evan was integral in bringing in the coat. Uh, those the the. The guys that graduated on collectively put together some money to to make sure that this the following team had spiffy cleats. They 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 fought and created a brand like Evan said, and the players now came here because of that. And it 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 does kind of bug me to be quite. I mean, I like you said, you never hear Trey Lipscomb talk. But every guy that rounded third base after a home run or something got an earful from Trey Lipscomb. 
And Trey Liskin was the first one to start chewing on somebody in the opposing dugout. And not a lot of people saw that. Um, I'm, I'm of the opinion, again, I love these guys, but I'm of the opinion last year's team or the team before that would run, run rule this team in by the third, fourth inning and laugh at them doing it. And I just don't, like you said, I, I, I'm upset a little bit because the hard work, the brand, the style of play, the swagger, the intimidation that Evan and his buddies created is very fleeting if you don't keep that going. And I'm seeing I'm seeing us go to visiting squads that Evan and his buddies just beat the living hell out of and made them like it. I mean, you think about it. Corbin takes um, Jordan Beck's bat away from him, and all of a sudden the guys jump up and sweep them. The Vandy boys, whatever. You know, you, that doesn't happen here. And so again, sorry I'm getting a little emotional, but and I and I don't have the I don't have the you know the skin in the game like Evan does, but um, I, I kind of feel for Evan a little bit. It's got it's got to be frustrating. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you 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 mentioned that somebody needs to say something or jump them whenever they do something wrong. That was the beauty about last year's team is that we were so close as individuals and we had so much respect for each other that there was no there was no boundaries that we couldn't cross and, and not be able to go out to dinner or um, hang out after. Um, so, for example, Jordan Beck was as talented as it, it would get. You know, he's a 3-0 hitter, um, arguably uh, going to play a long time in the big leagues. And there would be times where I felt like he would try to steal or do some something on the base paths that would – uh, make him look better opposed to doing what was best for the team. And I would let him know about it. And, and we would almost be in fights in the dugout in the middle of the game. And, and this is a team that is less than single-digit losses on the year. So um, there would be, you know, some people would say that that wouldn't go, that, that could go unsaid, uh, you, you could let that go. But that was the definition of our team, that we we were just, we had a burning desire for everyone to do well. But if you... Ever felt, we ever felt like something was out of line from an indi- individual, we could say something because we had the respect that we were doing it correctly. And that is where I sort of fear from this team is that no one has truly developed that respect in a program or in the program that where they could say something and it'd be of value. My friends at TLD Logistics, so much more than a trucking company. They do everything. Whatever your challenge is relating to shipping, you call TLD Logistics. Let them figure it out from there. Online at tldlogistics.com. And look, if you're an owner-operator and you're driving on the highways and byways, we've got a spot for you on our team at TLD Logistics. Online at tldlogistics.com, where driver training classes are forming now at tldlogistics.com. And you know, Evan said it earlier that the coaching staff, these guys are tried and true. Tony's got a, a few, got a past that says, you know, they're going to figure this thing out. Whether it's with this group or not, they're going to figure this thing out. Um, but uh, you just wonder what lessons they've learned, because I'm sure there are things, if they had a chance to do them over again, uh, 
type types of players, uh, that sort of thing that they would bring in? Because to this point, it just hasn't worked. And after last night, it just doesn't look like it's working. That said, baseball, as Evan said on here many times, is a fickle sport. It can change on you whether you're going really well and then all of a sudden you, you go into a cold streak or whether you can't get out of your own way and then all of a sudden you catch fire. And so, Evan, with that in mind, what what has to happen this weekend, for your opinion, for these guys to get it going in the right direction against Vanderbilt and get out of there with a series win? you got to play solid defense. Um, at the end of the day, you can put yourself in a hole, as we've seen, with the defense, no matter who's on the mound, how well he's throwing, how well the bats are doing off of a pitcher. The, the games are going to be close this weekend if you play solid defense. And if you continue to play solid defense throughout the end of the game and you don't give up extra bases, then you will have a high probability of winning the game. And if we could do that, I like our chances. But that is yet to be proven, so we will see. Well, and Berkey said it yesterday, you know, the the the, the, the opponents are getting ready to lessen but it's almost like with the Vols, you're, you're playing, and, and that's not the case this weekend, but it's almost like they're playing themselves. Because as soon as that error happens, whatever the error is, whatever the mental mistake is, it is followed by the opponent scoring runs. And 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 usually in bunches, Evan. 100%. The, the league is so competitive. If, if you look at even Florida and LSU, if you put them side by side, there's not much difference in the talent. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now, of course, you'll have a drop off when it comes to Missouri, um, Alabama. Uh, I mean, they're competitive teams, but they're not as competitive as the top tier. But you still have to limit your mistakes, and, and teams will capitalize on them if you give them enough chances. And Evan, I, yeah, what we've listen, done, we I, have, I really, we've given yeah. them multiple chances to just put it on us. Well, I appreciate you jumping in and joining us today. Sean Sinclair, thank you for helping out with this abbreviated edition. Evan will be back in his usual Monday slot, hopefully after a uh, series win. Tomorrow, I'm going to ask you to get in the seat of Tennessee's brass and how you'd handle this NCAA thing. We're going to do it tomorrow on the program. Evan, thanks. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram thanks St. Jude Children's Hospital for their admirable work. We are committing to their cause of providing quality care to families in need at no cost to them by donating $150 for every new vehicle sold. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is proud to partner with St. Jude for the fourth consecutive year. If you are currently in the market for a new vehicle, visit the team in-store or shop online at Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia.net to help families protect what matters most. You can count on us. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. 
Do you suffer from knee pain? Is it painful to walk or perform your day-to-day activities? If so, we have great news at the Dr. Gill Center. We can relieve your knee pain fast and easy with no downtime and no surgery. The FDA has approved a new non-surgical treatment for knee pain, and it's covered by most major insurance, including Medicare. This treatment has helped millions of people across the nation. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation and get back to a pain-free life. 615-551-9224. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, or 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. Hi, Jimmy Elliott for Columbia Ace Hardware. I want to invite you to the grand opening of our garden center, Saturday, April 29th. Come check out our great selection of fruit trees, hanging baskets, ferns, and garden plants. We'll have those things you need to get your garden growing. There'll be lots of activity that day, grilling demos from our Big Green Egg and Traeger experts, free giveaways with your garden center purchase, and Breeze Homemade Ice Cream will be there to take care of your sweet tooth. The doors open at 8 a.m., 112 East James Campbell. Columbia Ace, the helpful place. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. I am Jack Blackstone. And I'm Emery Blackstone. Together, we are Greenway Tech Repair. Tired of slow computers, cracked phone screens, and fancy home electronics you don't know how to use? We can help. We provide local on-site services as well as remote troubleshooting for any job, no matter how large or small, from computers and laptops to mobile devices and home electronics. We Blackstone Brothers are eager to serve our community. Find us on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. That's on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. This is Mark Curry at the Trailer Store. We are a local, family-owned business. Every day, I work with my wife, Susie, my mother, Becky, and my son, Justin. We offer a full line of lawnmower trailers, utility trailers, stock trailers, and a full line of trailer parts. We also offer service. Come see us at 1021 New Lewisburg Highway. Call us at 931-381-2795. That's 931-381-2795. 
my coach, baseball is back, and WKRM 103.7 is excited to bring you coverage and sponsorship options for this 2023 season. That's right, Taff, and this year our advertising partners had the option to sponsor our live Little League coverage, Atlanta Braves coverage, or a combo package that carry both of them. This area loves baseball, and what a great way to support the community by helping us bring coverage of our Little League, but also taking a moment to promote local businesses. People are crazy about the Atlanta Braves. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's something special and timeless about baseball radio broadcast. There sure is. So visit Front Porch Radio TN and click on the blue Advertise With Us button for more information about how your company can sponsor baseball of all kinds this season with WKRM. The NASCAR Xfinity Series. Under the green flag now, Justin Allgaier on the inside. Heads to Dega. This is a prime opportunity for Josh Berry, and he has risen to the occasion. Who will prevail down the Alabama gang super stretch? John Hunter Nemechek down to the inside of Chandler Smith off turn four. Chandler Smith has the momentum. It's the Ag Pro 300. 2.30 Saturday, April 22nd on WKOM 101.7 FM. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee.